Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music. I'm your host, Millie Cotton. Although this series has been recorded during lockdown, I'm hopeful that it might briefly take your mind off of any stresses and worries that are going on at the moment. It's good to be back behind the mic and opening this series is the wonderful Juliette Martin. Juliette is the founder of Silverstream Music and her experience stretches over a broad range of areas such as publishing, management and music supervision. More recently, Juliette soundtracked the huge BBC hit Normal People, the adaptation of Sally Rooney's novel of the same title. Normal People is a beautifully complicated story of young love and the soundtrack connects us better to that story than ever before. There's a few familiar bangers from the likes of Frank Ocean and Carly Rae Jepsen. Imogen Heap's Hide and Seek is pulled out of the archive and it works well in the moment. Maybe it shouldn't, but it does. It's been a very busy month for Juliet Martin and I am absolutely buzzing that she found the time to speak to me about her career and soundtracking normal people. Due to COVID-19, the interview was recorded over the phone, but hopefully that doesn't detract anything from our conversation. Please do rate and review the podcast, and if you've enjoyed the episode, please do share it and subscribe to Women in Music. Thanks for listening. Hi, Lily, is this? Yes, hi, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. And, and you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you holding up in lockdown? Oh, fine. It's We're used to it now, I think, but... um. Me and my husband and two kids all in our house together, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, it's nice not to have to run around and do as much. And I'm... I guess a good place to kick off would be with normal people because literally everyone just can't get enough of it, myself included. How has it felt seeing such a positive reaction to the show and its soundtrack? Yeah, I mean, it's been really, um, it's been incredible. It's really unexpected. I mean, when you work on a uh, project for, I mean, I've been working on it for a year, and you've seen it so many times. Well, I mean, that's the thing that people, they don't realise probably about music supervisors, is they work from the very beginning of something, because you're involved in script and pre-production, and clearing tracks if needed Mm. and then all the way through and then into post and then I'm still doing paperwork so but when you've been involved in something for a a long time and you've watched it so many times you kind of lose your objectivity about whether it's good or not so (laughs) um, you kind of you just don't really you can't tell anymore because you're just so deeply involved in it and um and then to kind of just have this reaction, like that first week it came out was just mad. It was it was really great, really gratifying, and the people responded to the soundtrack is incredible. Yeah, so definitely. We're, yeah, we're really delighted. Been able to see like, you know, like Anna Mieka's track. It, it closes out episode one, and she's had like a tenfold increase in streaming streams on Spotify and. Um, yeah, I can see that she's part of other playlists now, so that's really gratifying as well. Yeah, it's been incredible, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant for everybody who made the series, and so many more people involved in, at such a higher degree than me. Um, <laughs> it's wonderful for them. So there was huge speculation around the show before it was released because the novel is so loved, isn't it, by so many people, and they relate to that it, is. and they feel so emotionally connected to it. 
I, I mean, I feel like That's that. It. And I was a bit worried to watch it because you know how sometimes it doesn't always live up to your expectation of what you've read. Yeah. You, when you read a book, you really invest yourself in it, don't you? So was Absolutely. There, was there more pressure than usual soundtracking this show over others just because of the, the hype around the book? Yeah, there was huge hype. I think for everybody involved, there was more pressure on this production. I mean, that book was such a big book, so beloved by so many people, and everybody had a version of the story and of Marion and, and of Connell and of what they were listened to and mm. what songs. Because music, like, like a lot more than other aspects, people have their own ideas and their own inputs on what it should be. Um, but I knew, I mean, I knew I'm familiar with Lenny Abrahamson's work and I knew that we were in very safe hands with this. And when you, when you read the book, there's so much, there's so much of an inner world between the two of them. And he's so brilliant at capturing that. So I kind of had good faith that, uh, yeah, it, it, it was going to be really well realised, which it's turned out it was. But yeah, there's pressure on the soundtrack, and you you know, you can go so many different directions. You could, you know, where, where do you where do you start almost? But we we had a really good team, and Nathan was an amazing editor on it, and he's got a great um, musical here, and he had brilliant suggestions, and you know, there's a lot of Lenny obviously as well, and then I worked with Maggie Phillips, who's an amazing music supervisor. So there's an awful lot of people. Mm. informing decisions that kind of I give I guess give you a security or a sense of kind of um yeah sense that the decisions you're making are the right ones yeah sure um with... you're not doing it on your own <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> with the show I felt that the music filled the gaps where there's prose missing because obviously when it's mm. when it's on tv you can't say the things you have to find different That's ways it. to say the things that are missing. And, um, yeah, it felt mm -hmm. like music did that so well. So did you often refer back to the novel when creating the tracks? Because I know that I read Maggie Phillips hadn't actually even read the novel when when you were soundtracking. Yeah. Um, did we refer to the, to the novel when we were picking the tracks? Mm. Not really, no. You're very much, like, with music supervision... Um, you're very, we had discussions about what they would listen to. You know, what would Marianne listen to? Um, what do we think Connor would listen to? Um, but you're, you're very much focused on the, the scenes in front of you. And so I think that more informed our musical choices. I mean, if you think about um, Fionn Regan in episode four, and um, he says, you know, you keep climbing into my head without knocking. And she's just met Connell in college, having not seen him since school and the whole debacle with the Debs. And so, and she wakes up beside Gareth, who she doesn't really like that much, you can tell. And, you know, those lyrics, I think we did want to kind of make you think about what you'd just seen. Because she doesn't say, you know, but, but the music says what she's feeling about Connell and that experience of seeing him again. Mm. So, and there's other ones you know, like the villagers and everything I am is yours and uh, I think it's 10 um, when she did had the Skype call and she's been awake all night beside him and it's like everything I am is yours. And yeah, so there's definitely, there's definitely, um, the music says a lot that they can't say. But we were also conscious that we didn't want the music to kind of 
you know, those two actors did such an incredible job, Paul and Daisy, of conveying so much in just, in not in the silences. And we, you know, I was watching it again last night, and there is a lot of silences in this, you know, aside from the music. Mm. And we didn't, what we wanted to make sure that we didn't sort of interfere with what they were able to communicate. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that, and that was the decision around the closing titles as well, was to kind of make you think about what had just happened in the scene. So that was a discussion as well, or the episode. Will we, will we play something over closing titles? Because nowadays with television streaming services, closing titles tend to get gobbled up a little bit. So it's like, well, do we want to kind of spend money? And, but, but I think it works in this production because the episodes are so intense and it allows you reflect about what's happened. Yeah, sure. So what was mm-hmm. the process from start to finish? Okay, so in the beginning, it's it's um, yeah, looking at the... I read the script. Obviously, I've read the book. I read the book and, and already done a playlist before I even got the job. Oh, I read that. <laughs> I, I heard that brilliant. they were making a... Um, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. But um, So then it's reading the script and, you know, like, there was a football chant in there that um, I... I was like, look, you know, ole, ole, ole has been, when they get on the bus, at that stage, I think it was soccer, they changed it to Gaelic. But I was like, ole, you know, you're looking for tracks that need to be cleared or a reference in the script. Mm-hmm. And I thought there might be ole, ole, which is in copyright. They might sing that. So sort of things like that. You're looking through the script and making sure there's nothing that needs to be cleared. And then there were a couple of scenes like the dancing, the Dead Fundraiser in Ep3, where we, we the Hey Now Art, you meet the London Grammar remix. Yeah. I had to get a sort of a playlist together to play there because that was, they had a sort of a bit of choreography, some rehearsals with the, with the choreographer. And so picking tracks like there, um, there was also the, um, the Camel Fat track in 10 or 11, picking that track. So you're looking, you're sending through playlists for stuff that, you know, and a couple more scenes that will play in the black background. They don't necessarily have to be cleared, mm-hmm. but you, you and, and luckily, actually, we ended up keeping both of those because I, I think they work great. And then once that's, once you're in post, it's going in and meeting, having more sort of a more intense discussion around musical choices and direction with, <clears throat> with Maggie and with Nathan <clears throat> and Lenny. And just, I mean, deciding on, on, on what we want to kind of what we want to achieve with the music and then you know you sort of have a playlist I had a playlist and then Mason and Lenny had a playlist as well and I fed into that and there was just an awful lot of tracks on that but you can kind of then refer to that through the production and then you start to look at specific scenes like Mason would have put in and Lenny would have put in certain tracks and then you know you might you might all we might all agree that they work there or something might work better there and if you think something might work better there, then we will have gone off and looked at other options. And um, so, yeah. Where did you source the music from? Or where do you source music from generally? Do you just spend a lot of time kind of like hunting through Spotify or...? Yeah, I mean, there is what we call an open listen where you're sort of... You will uh, troll through Spotify, or I might just troll through my own computer and see what I have. Um, but yeah, and you're just listening, 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 and looking at the scene mm. and thinking about it. And often there'll be something in there, like there might be 
a track in there that's good, but the lyrics are too on point or, you know, or it's too uplifting. We want you're looking for something close. So you kind of know what you're looking for, but then you just have to listen. And then sometimes I will do a more like, I'll put out a brief to contacts, you know, publishing contacts and say, look, can you send me three suggestions and I'll have a reference and or some kind of a brief. So I worked with a great um, publisher called Centric in the UK that I use a lot. And um, they were brilliant. They'll send me through playlists as well. Yeah, and then you'll listen to that, whittle it down and send through to the production. So that's the kind of per- kind of root of it. And it takes a year. That's, of it. that's incredible that it, it takes. Yeah, it just takes a really long because, I mean, they're, they're filming, say they start filming in May. So I'm looking at playlists from early May. And then they're filming. So you, you, that's a bit quieter then when they're filming. But they still might come through and go, can you give me something for the scene next week? Can you give me some ideas? Mm-hmm. And then you're into post. And that's from uh, October. Sorry, that's from sort of September all the way through then and then there's so much paperwork and I mean and that's the other thing then you're licensing you're okay we all like this track let's go license it and then you'll either clear it um or you won't and then you have to go out and start the whole process again so for anyone who doesn't (laughs) understand what that means um that's when you have to essentially liaise with artists and publishers right to purchase their song for the rights that's it yeah Okay. Yeah, that's it. You you usually clear like it 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 depends on the track, but um, any sort of well established artist will usually have their um their publishing with a, a publisher, and mm-hmm. then um they'll be signed to a label, and so it can be quite complicated. You're clearing, <clears throat> you might have four or five different parties involved, and you're negotiating fees, and you know clearing the scene. You'll have to give them a scene description, and you're working with your budget as well so that can be quite an involved process and finding out often it's finding out who owns the rights like it <clears throat> took us a long time to find there's a, a track drop hope sandoval by um it's a jesus in the mary chain cover and it took a long time to find the owner of the master rights so sometimes it can be a bit of a troll um to find who owns what and get your hundred but you have to get your hundred percent cleared um, so yeah, it's that's that's a lot of work, and there was eighty licenses in this, so it's um, that in itself is just a huge job. Yeah, it's something that yeah. you don't think of as an audience. It's that behind the scenes kind of thing that you just don't even really know happens unless you're doing the job. But um, I sort of thought that people would be jumping to have their their music on the soundtrack for this. But I yeah, rather than yeah, just saying no, I know it's 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 um. It's funny, I was looking at it, I was watching it last night because it was on um, some BBC and uh, I don't typically want to watch it because it makes me think about work, um, but I just watched episode five and there's a background track and um, I mean, my husband didn't even really notice it, but uh, I said that probably, just that track probably took about a day of work, more, <laughs> two days, between finding the right one, between finding the owner of the rights, clearing those rights, going through all the paperwork. And people just would watch it and not even, you know. (laughs) Um, But for a lot of people, I think it made all the difference. Having the right soundtrack really connects you to what's happening on the show. So you guys did an amazing job because everyone... I don't know anyone who doesn't like it. 
Oh well, I mean, look, there was some. There was there is, there is um, a minority who find the Imogen Heat track um, brings them too much to the OC, and that they can't kind of get away from that. But I mean, that was a really discussed drop, and um, I love it there. Mm. It was, it, but obviously, when you're licensing something as well, you are thinking about what where it's been before, and if something's been licensed a lot you may have a concern that there's going to be too much of an association of that track with something else. And we did discuss that with that um, track because, you know, some people just cannot um, take themselves away from that. Yeah, it's bizarre, association it? with the OC. I find that really bizarre. That? I find that so bizarre because I understand it's such an iconic track and in the OC that was a really you know, huge moment, but at the same time, it was, what, like, 20 years ago? <laughs> I know, and I completely agree, and also, I, I, I refuse to think that a track, somebody's amazing work by a wonderful artist, has to forever be associated. I mean, for me, first and foremost, that's Imogen's heat piece of music, mm. you know, um, I think, um, and I think also, it's like, I think with music, you know, I think you have to accept, and for me, because this is sort of, this has had the most attention um, compared to any other project that I'm work, I've worked on, I think you have to accept that the old person just won't like it, you know, and you just kind of go, well, actually, you know, you cannot make something that, or, or make choices that every single person is ever going to like. And, you know, Lenny made the decision on that track, and rightly so, that nothing else could come up to it. And I think, if you think about the lyrics with that scene, and the tone and the feeling of it, I mean, you just watch it and go, well, who cares about the OC? I, this, I'm watching this, and it delivers so much to me for, for, for this moment between these characters, and you just have to, you know, I think that it's a bold decision, and it pays off, really. With the soundtrack, if... It seemed like it was a really formative part of Marianne and Connell's personality. And then you mm-hmm. made character playlists. Did you and Hattie put these together, or were Paul Meskell and Daisy Edgar Jones involved too? Yeah, we. Um, so, Huda contacted me and Maggie. We then decided um, we had a call and we decided which tracks we thought from the, the series would work. Um, for each character and then we went away and each came back with maybe four or five tracks each that we thought suited the characters and then Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskell I think put in maybe four or five each as well mm-hmm. so it's a compila- it's a sort of a collection of Maggie's and ours and theirs yeah and yeah and it's great it's great to see their choices and I noticed Daisy Edgar Jones had the same um, uh, artist as me I'm just having a blank now on who it was. Joy, Joy, Joy Crooks. Yeah. Oh, I love Joy Crooks. She was a guest in yeah. the last series. Oh my God, she's wonderful. Okay. She's yeah, she's, she's wonderful. Yeah, because she's I lovely. really loved that song that she did with Shafara. So I was sort of looking at it for. I wanted to see if I could find a spot for it for normal people, but I anyway I didn't. But um, I wanted. And then when the playlist came up, I was like, oh great, I'm going to put it one of her tracks because I love her. And then I think I'm pretty sure Daisy Edgar Jones put in another one of hers. But that was nice. <laughs> yeah, no, she's fantastic. So yeah, finally, on normal great. people, what was your mm. favorite musical moment of the show? Do you know, <laughs> like this is not going to be popular. Nothing's not going to be popular, but. Um, I really love um, the Carly Rae Jepsen one. I just, I think that's a, it's, it's too much and it's in at 
six, I think. Um, it's the one where they're sort of before they've broken up and they're just in the kitchen telling each other they're best friends and it comes on and they start kissing. And I just, I love that kind of um, the excitement of the track. So for me, that's one of the top moments. I mean, there's loads, but I, I really like that one. Yeah, I really like the villagers as well. Um, and I like that the villagers, we had a lot of different ones in there, but that kind of had a hopeful element to it that with other tracks we didn't quite have and I quite like that because I think that Connell's kind of coming through something so I like the way the music speaks to the scene and the episode. Amazing. Um, to talk about your career a little bit, I know that so many okay. people would be so keen to follow the career path that you've taken so far. Taking it back to the beginning, how did you first get yeah. into music supervision and publishing? Well, I started work just by chance. I got a job in an independent label and publishing company in Ireland, a small one. And, you know, I think that's quite a good way for people to start because you kind of do, when it's really small and independent, there's four of us in the office, you sort of do everything and you learn all aspects. So I learned about um, a record label and I um, learned about publishing. Um, so I suppose I started in that way and I was maybe there for about four or five years. And then I went to the UK and studied something, but kept going with the publishing, kept a few of the publishing clients and, and learned it that way. Um, and then when I came back to Ireland, I, I sort of expanded the publishing company, but through sort of publishing, I realized that there wasn't actually that many people in Ireland doing music supervision. And I knew that I could do it because I knew about music, I knew the scene, I'd made loads of contacts. And I understood the licensing element through the publishing. So I actually just sort of went out and said, look, I, I, I can provide this service to you. And that's kind of how it, how it began. So I'm a firm believer. It's funny. I kind of made the decision and then everything else followed. So as those of people are listening, I would give that piece of advice that if you decide that's what you want to do, go out and get the experience however way you want to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, 100%. What was one? What was the first project that you were involved in for soundtracking? Well, it, yeah, it was actually with um, Element Pictures, who made, um, which probably helped me get this job. Who made a great feature film called A Date for Mad Mary, um, with a brilliant director called Darren Thornton, and um, I had given Juliet, the producer Juliet Bonas, some help with some advice on another feature she was doing. And I just, yeah, I think that sometimes it's good that there was no charge for that, there was just some advice. And I think we kind of, sometimes I think it's quite a good idea to sort of make connections. And in that way, then when a project came along, she, um, yeah, she, she, she hired me for, for a date for Mad Mary. And that was a great film because... We, we, it was a sort of a really contemporary um, Irish film set in Drogheda and there was loads of club scenes and there was a lot of music. So I learned a lot on that job and we had to license a lot of Irish music. So I really delved deep into the scene and it was a great way to, to sort of get going, I suppose, in my career. What other projects are there that you've worked on that you're super proud of working on aside from normal people? Yeah. Well, I worked on Can't Cope, Won't Cope, that was a TV series for RT, um, and then it got picked up by Netflix and the BBC Three. But um, I'm really proud of that one because, again, it was really it's funny. I've worked on these really kind of female-led, contemporary um, 
productions, but it was very, um, budget was really low, and I got a lot of, I felt like I really delivered on that soundtrack with the director. The director's a brilliant director called Cappy Brady, and um, that one I'm particularly proud of because a lot of people responded to that soundtrack, and I think for the budget that I had, which people often forget, you know, if you're working on a really tight budget, you can't pick the likes of Yazoo. You can't. You've got to really dig deep and find the stuff that, you know, people aren't aware of. And so I'm proud of that one. Definitely. Are there any difficulties that you've faced while putting together a soundtrack? You mentioned money is obviously a difficulty and then licensing, but is there anything else? If it's difficult in bringing a soundtrack together? Yeah. No, I have to say, I think, I'm trying to think of anything that... Um, oh, I think budget is, is probably the biggest barrier. I mean, um, not, licensing music is not expensive for what you get, but I think perhaps there is not an awareness, particularly sometimes in Ireland, about in order to achieve, in order to license well-known music, um, it's, it is costly. And I think that that is the challenge sometimes, it cha- is trying to educate people on what you will need to achieve financially to achieve what you, yeah to achieve um the soundtrack that you want i mean i've read scripts for sort of indie movies where the the music alone is the budget of the film oh, wow. <laughs> <When> you, <laughs> i know <laughs> when you say costly are you able to put any sort of figure on that because i mean i've got no idea what music costs okay it would be so well like to know yeah, I suppose generally speaking, um, I'm sure, I just think, can I say this? Um, I think generally speaking, you can license, I mean, advertising budgets will be much higher, but, you know, if you're licensing a track, you're probably about, it can be anywhere from sort of five, maybe I shouldn't say this, I don't know. I had um, someone maybe from, <laughs> I had someone from Love Island who said that it cost well ITV who said that a sync on Love Island costs thirty grand now, which is like uh-huh. wild. And it, artists are more desperate for that. It's not half as much as that. <laughs> oh, really? It's not half as much as that. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a no. figure. So that's that's yeah, that's that's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not as much as that. But I mean, like in the US, they're aware. You know, there's you know, it, it's a big production. I mean. I'm sure the budgets on the likes of Big Little Lies are into the mid. The music budgets must be into the millions, I would imagine. Mm. But I would certainly say not for productions here. You wouldn't be looking at thirty thousand for a sync, you know. I mean, the other challenge, I suppose, as well, is if you if you get declined, yeah. and that does happen. I mean, it happened on this production because some people don't want their music played over sex scenes or nudity, mm. um, and that's disappointing. We had a lovely track and. Um, and rightly so. I mean, it's their music, it's their art, and they're absolutely entitled to not have it where they don't want it. So, um, or, you know, you get a decline because, for different reasons, but when, when, when everybody is invested in the track and it works amazingly, and then it doesn't clear, it is disappointing. But, you know, you just have to pick stuff up. And, and often what you find, you know, it's funny, often what you find is that the replacement track, in another way, yeah, it can be as good. Or you kind of go, oh, no, actually, you forget about the other one. 
Um, you mentioned that a lot of the productions that you've worked on have been female-led. Would you say that's the case with a lot of music supervision? Because I don't really know the stats around. I know that like with producers, only 2% of producers are female. Um, what other yeah. stats do I know? There are very few female music writers. What's it like in music supervision? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is definitely sort of some theories on it because it is more, it's it's more dominated by, by women than by men. Mm. And I think there's a theory, there's a couple of theories, is that it's something that as a, as a role in production, it has been a bit more recent. And so because it's been more recent and women have a bit more of a voice, they have been able to get into it a bit more. <laughs> so it's not been, like, established since the 60s or the whatever, I don't know, the 40s, where, you know, men men took more of the jobs and it's more men editors than women editors. So that's one theory. Um, and I think also, you know, you do need a lot of empathy to be a music supervisor. And, look, I, I, I wouldn't make a generalisation that women have more empathy than men, but um, I think... <laughs> Perhaps that is a theory that is out there, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It is more female led than than male led, but p- perhaps for those reasons, I don't know. Um, but it does. I mean, Maggie would say that she'd say, you know, I have a lot of empathy, and I think that makes me good at my job because you you yeah you want to really get into what the music and the and the character what it's saying about the scene and um and i think that makes a better match of music to picture which is really what your what your role is yeah sure and finally mm-hmm. this is a bit of a rogue question but what is your favorite mm-hmm. soundtrack ever oh <laughs> um yeah no i do have hang on um i really like the transparent soundtrack i don't know if you remember that um series i don't think i've watched Um, it oh it's it's brilliant it's really good and um it's sort of set in la and i think the music supervisor's done an amazing job on that uh he sort of picked tracks that it's kind of got this nostalgic because it's this sort of dysfunctional family which relates to being a Irish catholic family and um and, you know, there's a lot of looking back on their past as a family and a lot of the tracks, the track choices were really nostalgic. And I think it's amazing that you can capture the mood and the atmosphere with music. So that's one I really like. Um, I think it's some some um, placements in The Sopranos are brilliant in the early days. Um, and there's, I know there's one other one that I really wanted to... Oh, of course, Fargo Season 2 my favourite nice. um, that Maggie worked on. Um, have you seen that? No, I don't think so. No. Oh, my God. You should watch it just for the soundtrack. It's absolutely incredible. They have Lisa Hannigan doing a version of Danny Boy, and they're just, it's uh, it's wonderful. And with the uh, composer, Jeff so it's a masterful soundtrack. So that's probably my two. I will definitely check that one out. Thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you about all of the music and normal people and your career. Thank you. Thank you, Millie. That's great. Um, Yeah, I hope the rest of lockdown's okay for you and, yeah, nothing, not not too stressful. (laughs) (laughs) 
Same, same for you. Keep safe. Thanks, Julia. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.